Welcome to the Philly Adcast, informing and engaging the advertising community. Powered by Center City Film and Video and the Philly Ad Club. Here's your host, Bjorn Henriquez. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Philly Adcast. This month's guest is Michelle Bauer, VP of Public Relations at Power Home Remodeling. Hello, Michelle. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it, it, we we have a we have a lot to speak about, and uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm uh, I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. So uh, let's let's jump right in. You're with Power uh, Home Remodeling. Been there mm-hmm. over a year now, right? Yep, uh, just over a year and a half. Just over a year and a half. Let's let's uh, let's begin. Was that something that you always a role that you always knew you wanted to get into because you were on the agency side in the beginning, correct? Yeah. So I think um, my aspirations in PR actually started out on the political side. I okay. wanted to necessarily work on campaigns and then someday be press secretary of the White House. Um, but in in turning in, in political campaigns in college, I realized that you know that's a lot of moving. Maybe that's not exactly the right fit for me, although I do enjoy politics. I I don't necessarily love working in them. So I ended up at an agency, um, but I always thought I was going to end up moving over to the corporate side at some point in my career. I just wasn't sure, you know, when that was going to happen. Oh, really? Really? So does the press secretary job seem less uh, attractive? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not a job I'd want currently, no. (laughs) I'm I'm quite happy at Bauer. (laughs) Right, right. So so the so uh, uh, working in agency side, you're you're working with many different you know, clients uh, uh, from the account executive side, and, and, you know, that can be very exciting. Uh, what motivated you to say, you know what, I want to go an inch wide and a mile deep and work with one company? Um, so for me, it was about growth potential um, okay. and the ability to continue to own something from the ground up. I think, you know, when you're on the agency side, you're working on a project, you kind of incubate this baby and you you work on a project and you, you bring it along and then you hand it off to the client, and then they kind of take it over the finish line. Um, or even with just building the agency, you're not the owner, so you're not necessarily right. the one who's making all the business decisions. When you're looking at a company on the corporate side, you have the ability in the position that I'm in to build your own department, to almost to build an agency within a company, um, something that you can own and, and start from the ground up. So it was kind of scratching that startup itch for me. Um, within the confines of an established organization um, and also the ability to grow something that's mine and see things through from start to finish, um, which is definitely unique when you're on the corporate side and you're owning a project versus passing it off to a client. Right, right. So how are the lines blurred between marketing communications or Marcom and have those lines become more blurred? Oh, for sure. Um, and this is funny because it's actually a conversation we're having internally right now, oh. Power. Um, so when I came on, there is a VP of uh, Marketing Communications, Bennett Andelman, who's amazing and has been with Power for about eight years. So I came in as the first PR hire as a, as a VP, and it became, okay, so what's your job? What's my job? Where are they overlapping? <laughs> and the partnership between the two of us is so critical because even though um, you know he's not necessarily dealing with the media, when you look at things like content marketing or social media, right. I have a lot. I have a lot to do in those areas. But then he's the one that's overseeing our, you know, graphic design department or mm-hmm. helping to oversee our video department. So it's it's utilizing him to kind of help with the content creation, and then me helping to determine the channels and um, how we're positioning the company overall. Right, um, right. Especially when you look at internal communications too, which is a, about probably 
70 to 80% of what marketing communications at Power does is internal. Hmm. Um, so how are we messaging to, messaging to employees? What um, brand stories are we putting forth for them? How are we building that culture? And that requires the two of us to work really, really closely together. Wow, and and I was just on a, 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 the, the Acclimate panel on uh, podcasting. Mm-hmm. And it's been uh, in the last couple of discussions, panels, everything I've done, I've been trying to drive home the fact that if you're in business, you're a publisher now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's a it's a hard reality to, to face that not only do you have to produce a great product, have great customer service, have great uh, um, uh, uh, corporate culture, but now you know you're broadcasting content and how that's managed. You know, there wasn't, uh, you know, years ago, uh, uh, that wasn't really a thought. It, does that fall all upon your department as well? So it's a combination, okay. I would say. So interesting enough, we actually have a podcast at Power mm. that's an internal podcast because we have a remote sales force. So for us, having a podcast allows them to listen in their cars oh, yeah. uh, to our chief sales officer and some tips and tricks or just sharing life stories. So that's been wildly successful. Um, and that's something where, you know, my colleague Bennett is really overseeing the production of that. But when it comes to the ideation or different ways that we're going to be distributing it, that sort of, you know, falls into my realm where, you know, I'm helping to determine some of those things. So I think as you look at content marketing, I think you're going to see PR um, having an opportunity to really drive the messaging. Um, but you're looking at more marketing departments to handle the actual content creation. So whether it's videos gotcha. or photography or graphics or even copy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what you're going to continue to see is PR have an influence on, okay, who is our audience? What do we want them to do? And, and what message can we utilize to get them to do that? What, what was the biggest um, surprise for you in looking to get into PR and then actually getting there? So I think we have, I think it's probably true of any job, but when you're younger, you have this idealized version vision of what that is in your head. And that could be, for me, it was product launches at these, la- at these great parties <laughs> and parties, on like, yeah. you know, tech events where I have, I'm speaking or, or press secretary of the White House where you're up in front of reporters every single day and people are calling you for comment and you're doing things on background and, um, and then you get into it and you realize it's, it's um, sometimes it's on the floor stuffing press kits, you know, <laughs> to hand out at a press conference the next day. It might be up working on messaging around um, a really technical type of launch that isn't going to have a huge launch party. But if that's not communicated clearly, then the product isn't going to be successful. Um, so I think a little bit of all aspects of the job. I was frankly surprised about how much writing it, it was, too. Mm-hmm, um, right. I thought it was going to be a lot more of like, coordination and relationships and you know i'm good with people quote unquote um but really it's it's you know writing and messaging and understanding uh strategy so oh wow so the the so the communication aspect of it is one thing internal external Mm -hmm. and uh and being associated with a with a with a company or brand that you really believe in how important is that to you and to your job 
So for me, that's part of what attracted me to power. Um, I never thought I was going to work in the home remodeling industry. I right. don't think that's where I thought my corporate jump was going to be. Right. It's not um, like you're saying, um, you know, uh, uh, I'm a BNPR, and you're thinking, you know, a more quote-unquote glamorous industry. Or you're thinking Comcast yeah, or like, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> Media tech. Exactly. Right. And so I was like, home remodeling in Chester, yes. Um, <laughs> but I think what drew me to power was – they're truly a people-first company. And in meeting the co-CEOs, um, one of which I report directly to, it is so clear that every decision they're making is based on growing the company to hire more people, to impact more people's lives. And it is that is one benefit of being on the corporate side is that I have I have one boss or I have one company. So if I align with their values and mission, that's great. Um, on the agency side, you're dealing with whatever client comes next and you may not always feel 100% in agreement with their overall company or what their goal is or whether or not they're even good people. Um, Now you have to have some ethics around do you feel comfortable working on a project but it's really you can get thrown into any situation. So here is a place where I get to utilize my skills to feel like I'm really making a difference in the world which I know sounds really cheesy for a home remodeling company but (laughs) um, if you meet any of our employees you'll, you'll hear exactly how power has changed their world. There's a, a Japanese um, concept of ikigai, mm-hmm. right? It means it's uh, finding your, your purpose. It's, it's at the intersection of what you're passionate about, um, what the world needs, and what's the last one? Passionate, what the world needs. And what you're good at. And what you're good at, right. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is what you can get paid for, but I leave that one out usually because <laughs> if, you, if you align the three, you, you'll get paid. So... Um, and that's and that's Yuki guy, and I strongly correlate that to what your superpower is. You mm-hmm. know, you know, we all have super. Me, I've been in sales for for the longest, and that's that's kind of my superpower. What would you say your superpower is? So it's funny. We were actually just talking about your purpose um, the other day at like a leadership conference, and for me, I think it is helping to explain the world to others and or things in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been really good at taking either complicated things or things that people aren't aware of and making it understandable for different audiences, and that's what I get to do every day, which is great. And I think you know. You mentioned that we're a top workplace, and a lot of people know that, but not everyone knows that, and I right. want more people to know that. So how am I bringing that message to um, even more people so we can affect even more lives? Um, so I do feel like I found my calling, and it, I was really lucky because I, I discovered that I wanted to do PR in, like, ninth grade, okay. and <laughs> I've been focused on that ever since. So right. I think um, I'm, I'm really lucky in that aspect, and, you know, there's not every aspect of the, of the job I'm not great at, but for the most part, I, I think I have the skill set that um, – allows me to be really successful and, and help my, my company or my clients in, in previous roles. Oh, that's great. So let's let's go to uh, uh, the, the the campaign heard around the world. <laughs> right? uh, I was I was so impressed. So just from how I look at things from um, a, a, a marketing, advertising, communication standpoint, you know, I'm riding down the street. I, I I look at the billboards differently. I'm I'm always critiquing, and I mm-hmm. and I love to see great great work. You know, uh, I think the uh, Philly wants LeBron uh, uh, campaign was fantastic. I have my first question is, how do you sell that internally? <laughs> well, <it's, laughs> actually, the idea got sold to me. Oh, okay. Um, so our CEOs and some of our leadership team go on a. a a, a 
kickoff, January kickoff, and mm-hmm. they visit all 14 of our office locations across the country. And it was towards the end of this kickoff tour. They've been in, you know, 13 markets in the span of 20 days. Oh, wow. And exhausted. And it was actually our CEO's birthday. So they're in Tampa, and they go out with some of the um, leadership of the Tampa office. And they're talking about how the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl. And this is back in January. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, Philadelphia needs another win. How, are we gonna get, how can we get the Sixers to win the championship? And... Um, JD, our chief sales officer, is like, well, LeBron is needed. And then they were all debating on how they would get LeBron to come to Philadelphia. And, and Asher had just watched the three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri um, mm. movie. Yeah, right. And he's like, what about billboards? And they're all like, yeah, let's do billboards. So uh, they get back uh, the next day, and, and I get called into the CEO's office at, <laughs> you know, first thing Monday morning. And I'm like, mm, hopefully this is a good thing. Right. So I sit down, and he's smiling. He's like, you're going to hate this idea. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like, okay, well, maybe not. Like, let's hear it. Right. And, uh, you know, for me, my job is partly also analyzing risk and determining what's best for the brand. So mm-hmm. I do say no a lot sometimes. So I think that's why he was, you know, determined I wasn't going to like the idea. But so he pitched me on the idea. And he's like, what do you think? Am I crazy? And um, and originally the billboards were going to be in Philadelphia. And I was like, no, I think this is a great idea. It's on brand. Our employees are going to love it across the country. Um totally national media worthy philadelphia media is gonna love it um and we're like a young millennial company who wants to push our brand forward this this is a this is something that's you know appropriate the key is just like let's not upset lebron like let's, <laughs> let's make sure that he doesn't think that this is you know annoying um not and... too close-up shots of his hair <laughs> <Yeah>. let's just <laughs> let's not call him out too much um so and it was like, but let's move the billboards to Cleveland right. so that he's the one who's seeing them because then it looks a little bit less self-promotional. And it's more about, right. you know, really influencing his decision. Um, and then it became bringing in my colleague Bennett and the conversation was, okay, is this something we want to outsource, the creative? Like, do we want to look at other agencies in Philadelphia to see, give them a shot at it? Because if the creative is not perfect, right. this is not going to work. Right. Or is this something we want to do in-house? And so Asher gave us five days to like try to do it in-house before he would outsource it. And our team killed it. And the creative that you saw for all three phases of the campaign Mm -hmm. uh, were developed in-house from concept of like, let's do the basketball court with LeBron's number and the crown. Yeah, with the the positions. To to the hashtag um, and then tying in complete the process to try to kind of touch in the trust the process. And, And luckily for me, I'm a sports fan. Um, If I was not a sports fan, this would have been a really challenging assignment, (laughs) but uh, I luckily follow Philadelphia sports pretty extensively and have good connections on the Twitterverse Mm -hmm. um, of it. So it was a little bit easier for me to to grasp the concepts and and pitch them. Wow. You you mentioned being on brand. I would assume, and this is just me assuming, that your target audience may not be the MBA's target audience? <laughs> so, so it depends you know. on what target you're talking about. Okay. So for Power, our number one audience is our own employees. Um, okay. And so, you know, with us going from one office to 14 offices in less than, you know, 10 years means that we need to keep that connection and we need to keep them engaged. So that's always our number one. Right, our right. second that's audience fantastic. is potential employees. Um, for mm. us to grow, we really need to make sure that we're communicating with that talent pool to allow them to come on board because it's really our frontline employees that are talking to our customers right. and potential customers. Right. So we don't do a lot from a holistic marketing perspective when it comes to customers. That's more handled um, interpersonally with our frontline staff. So 
um, for us, this actually was our target audience wow, of okay. employees and potential employees. That connection to your to your audience now that I know what it is 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 that not this remarkable? And to see the traction that it got to to have LeBron actually say something about it—that's dope. <laughs> that is. Absolutely dope. <laughs> I was jumping up and down, I'll be honest. So I mean... Tom, Tom from the AP actually is the one that tweeted that news out first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, look, he said that's dope. And we were like jumping up and down in the office because that was the biggest fear is that if he was like, oh gosh, like this is this is a headache, I don't need this. Right, like right. if he had had a negative reaction, it wouldn't have had, I mean, we still have had the initial traction, but it would have not been as positive at the end of the day. Right. So having him be like, that's dope was, <laughs> we might have, we might have t-shirts that say that's dope on it. <laughs> For you, I, I know that, um, at the end of the day, it's a business, and you're looking at the metrics coming mm-hmm. back. Was was that a home run for you and the company as well? So, yeah. So, obviously, the easiest metric to look at is impressions. And right. you can't really scoff at 300 or 3 billion impressions, like over 344 placements. Um, that was quite the media report to build. Uh, but we also saw huge engagement from our employees across social media, um, the number of applications in Philadelphia actually increased. So we actually saw a jump in that mm. uh, growth in our social channels. Um, and even actually our from our appointment settings. So we, we provide free estimates for home renovation. Right. And that during the week of the extensive media coverage, that actually went up, the number of, of appointments wow. that we were scheduling every day. Wow. Um, because the Philadelphia market was like, oh, I love this company. I just saw you on the news. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely showed. And it was a good case study for us to show the leadership that, like, look, when you have that sort of brand um, awareness increase. It helps our frontline staff make those appointments. It helps, you know, our sales, um, our salespeople. It helps our remodeling consultants in the home connect with the homeowner because now right. they're talking about basketball. Exactly, um, exactly. which is great. So, uh, it's definitely was a huge success and um, something that I was really, really proud of. And just surreal when you're getting calls from ESPN um, <laughs> or even just seeing the copycat billboards. Right. Like we literally started a movement. So mm-hmm. these three billboards then spawned all these other LeBron billboards in LA and other right, places. Right. But then even ESPN commissioned artists to do a billboard for every single city. Like that's that's not something you expect from such a, an old fashioned um, <laughs> type of media too. Right. In, in right. a billboard. In a billboard. Exactly. Exactly. Because most of the time with that, you would expect, okay, let's try to make it go viral online. We're going to start with a Instagram post and, you know, mm-hmm. do, you know, Facebook ads. So next, I would be remiss to not delve into technology. Mm-hmm. H- how do you speak to a client and, and kind of guide them back to the middle and the fundamentals of what communication is? Um, so for me, I think what we've seen in technology is it changes the conversation a little bit. So when it comes to even pitching the LeBron billboards, so mm-hmm. we reach out to Darren Rovell for the exclusive and it was like, okay, do you want to drop it on Twitter first? Or are you going to drop it on ESPN.com? And is it going to be a link to the photos or going to be a link to the website? And, mm-hmm. and his Twitter is so powerful. And, and so it was just weird. We were pitching a Twitter exclusive, which is just <laughs> something you never thought you were going to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but what what never changes is that it's about who your audience is, what message they need to hear, and then what channel they need to hear it through. So that that could be direct communications via social media, or it could be through the traditional traditional media. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really about understanding that, the audience, and then how you're going to reach them and being a little bit channel agnostic. Right, exactly. Um, so I think that's really critical. Um, 
And at the end of the day, though, it's still about relationships. Um, you have to have a relationship with the media because if something does go viral, they're going to cover it. And sometimes news coverage can help something go viral. So you have to play both sides of that. Mm -hmm. um, right. So having one without the other, like if we would have just had a social campaign, the LeBron thing wouldn't have been nearly as successful. Yeah, it wouldn't have been as powerful. But I don't think we would have gotten the media coverage we got if it wasn't in everyone's Twitter feed. Um, and right. so it, you need that balance. So I would say, you know, you can't forget the basics and that it's about relationships and it's about messaging and just being a little bit more willing to look at all the channel options. So I think we have to pay attention to more things. So we used to have to pay attention to the media and then government officials and maybe some really big community leaders. Like that was like, okay, we need to make sure we're reaching those people, have relationships, we're maintaining communication with them. We now have you know, bloggers, people mm -hmm. who just have huge Instagram followings, people who have huge Twitter followings. Um, you have, you know, these community type websites. It, it, just the vast number of people who have to be on your radar is a lot more than it used to be. Um, so I think that is definitely a challenge. I think when you look at the crisis communication side of things, which is not necessarily my day in and day out, mm -hmm. but you know, because of grassroots and how quickly things can spread, I think companies are going to see more and more challenging challenges when it comes to crisis communications. Mm. So if anything, that actually makes PR's role more important. Right, right. Um, but it is coming about because of technology. It's now cell phone video. It's, you know, um, doorbell videos. It's, right. um, it's just the ability to capture. It's the ability to live report from places um, and the ability to share things in a way that gets them out really, really quickly. So I think, you know, that's going to be more and more important is, is crisis communications. No, that's a, that's a great insight because I, I, I haven't thought about that. But again, in the uh, when we're thinking about PR and, and uh, we have our ideal, you know, you're not necessarily thinking of the crisis management job and being the cleanup person and coming in afterwards and, and making sure that, uh, that uh, things are taken care of after the fact. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you're trying to present prevent them first and foremost, but if you yeah. can't, then you've still got to clean up the mess. <laughs> yeah, uh, Doug Oliver made a when, when in, in our in our episode, he made a really good uh, point that you know, uh, fighting to be in the room when decisions are made, so you can prevent mm -hmm. those things. Is that is that something that you see with with power? So luckily, because I report directly to the the CEO, um, I'm usually in the room. Great. Um, but tying back to the fact of he was like, you're going to hate this idea, is that I also times have to be not the negative Nelly, but the one that's like, okay, well, here's the five ways this could go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, and here's the five, ten ways it could go right. But I just need to make sure you understand what the risk is with, with decision making. Um, so it always is my job to think about how could this be perceived by the media? How could this be perceived by our customers? And how would that, you know, play its way onto line and, and could that end up in the media? Um, so I definitely tend to be the Debbie Downer at times, mm -hmm. but um, that's just because I'm trying to protect the brand that I love and, and make sure that it continues to grow and, and have a good reputation. So so for for you, do you, you're obviously happy of going from the agency side to the, to the corporate side. Was before that transition, was there a lot of hesitancy for you? Oh, for sure. Yeah? I was very scared. Um, what scared you the most? Being bored. Oh. Um, in the agency world, you're working on five clients. You have different teams on every account. You're working in various, vastly different industries. I went from like publishing to mm -hmm. chemicals to in healthcare. Um, so just your brain gets so exercised, and and you know, doing a press conference a week, it's just it's a lot. Um, so I was really nervous that I was going to feel bored on the corporate side, and and it's something I actually spoke a lot about with my 
with my co-CEO before um, taking the position. And I was, because I think that was a fear that he had of me too, because he could Mm -hmm. see that I was enjoying that aspect. But luckily with power, I'm working on technology. So I have, I'm pitching our CIO to Computer World and, you know, these different tech blogs talking about how we build our own technology. I'm working with our director of military affairs, talking about veterans and the perception of veterans in the workplace. I'm working with our talent acquisition department talking about career tips for 22-year-olds who are just getting out of college and, mm. you know, how they can stand out. I'm talking with our CEO about how to build a company culture, what millennials are looking for, or social issues like criminal justice reform or getting out the vote. Um just the vast number of topics that I get to cover at Power has made it so that I'm not bored because um, right. I am touching all these different aspects of the company. I'm a little overwhelmed as one person currently, <laughs> but um, but definitely not bored. Oh, nice. Fantastic. And what are some uh, books that helped you along the way? Um, one that I'm reading right now that I can't put down is Uprising. So mm, it's actually okay. a book yeah, about grassroots movements. Um, and... So everything from the Arab Spring, right. um, it's been really good because we're actually some of the initiatives we're doing at Power are, are around building up grassroots support. So it's it's good. There's some good insights and things that you can take from other movements. Um, obviously, there's the the classics of you know good to great and and things right. like that that are um, always worth reading and and even though they're ten years old, <laughs> still get brought up in conversation regularly. So right. I definitely recommend reading it. Um, when you talk about technology and being disruptor, Thank You for Being Late um, by Thomas Friedman allowed me to actually talk better to our CIO because I understood his world a little bit more, um, but also talks about data and how data is the future and, future and the flow of information is the future. And so I felt a little bit more prepared about what the future world might look like and how, you know, communications can play a part in that. So I think, you know, that's those are some that I've... Uh, been been relying yeah, on lately. Great, great recommendations. Yeah, yeah. Because you know we're we're always trying to figure out uh, what's coming and and prepare ourselves to to meet our our customers or in your case in, in, in internal prospects, meet them there. Mm-hmm. Definitely great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You uh, uh, learned a lot about you and a lot about power. Any parting words? No, this was so much fun, and thank you so much for having us. Ah, fantastic. This episode was recorded at Center City Film and Video and produced by Kirsten Brinkos. On behalf of the AdCast team, I'm Lisa Leonard. Thanks for listening.